Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, December 15th, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney. I'm working from my home in Montana. Adrian's in California. Taylor's back in Connecticut. Baylor, you got a big show coming up, huh? You going to the Rose Bowl? Going to the Rose Bowl, Buster. Going to meet my pal Adrian in person for the first time. We're going to uh, do a podcast. And maybe this bodes, I think this bodes well for this show in the future, but we're going to do a podcast at a steakhouse, uh, paying off a bet from the show. Um, so we're going to do it at the, the Lawry's Beef Bowl with maybe Michigan or Alabama in the background. It's gonna be, We're going to get wild. We're going to do something on the field uh, after the game. So this is, this is all very exciting stuff. So. I can't promise anything, you know, let, you know, one for one on the Baseball Tonight podcast, but definitely, um, you know, a harbinger of good things. Did I use that word correctly? That Yeah, it is. It uh, it feels like momentum is building. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Well, that's because the momentum is building in the baseball offseason as well. Uh, we, of course, have Shohei Otani being introduced uh, by the Dodgers last week. We're going to be Yoshinobu. Uh, Yamamoto is going to make his decision sometime in the next five or six days. And as soon as that happens, we'll pump out an emergency podcast today on the podcast. We're going to be talking with Paul and Bikitis about a lot that's happened, a lot that could happen. And we have a huge announcement around Hembo, which is pretty exciting. And we'll also be talking with Didi Gregorius, a longtime shortstop, Yankees, Phillies. He's got a cool project that he's been working on. And we're going to find out about his future as he moves forward. Uh, some of the news and notes since uh, our last podcast, Shohei Otani was introduced to Dodger Stadium. Uh, he talked about uh, questions about his elbow surgery, what did he specifically have. He didn't illuminate that. And he talked about the name of his dog that we've all been wondering about. Uh, he revealed the dog's name. Give a listen. Ever since the Most Valuable Player Award presentation, the whole world has wanted to know what is the name of your dog. There's been speculation that it's Dodger. There's been speculation that it's Walker. Could you please reveal to everyone in the world today, what is the name of your dog? Kurosai. Arigato. Arigato. <laughs> <laughs> So his name is Dekoping, that's a Japanese name, and I figured um, it would be hard for American people to pronounce it, so he has an American name, and it's Dekoy. So, yeah, you could call him Dekoy or Dekoping. Now, one of Otani's first teammates, or new teammates, is going to be Tyler Glass now, who was traded by the Tampa Bay Rays to the Dodgers in a deal with outfielder Manny Margot. Uh, the Rays are going to get Ryan Pepio and outfield prospect Johnny DeLuca. Uh, this deal uh, came down after Glasnow finalized a $135 million deal. The Arizona Diamondbacks are bringing back Lourdes Gurriel Jr. on a three-year $42 million deal. Perry Manassian, the general manager of the Angels, spoke with reporters the other day, and he talked about what's ahead for the Angels. I know Hembo's got a question for me about what I would do if I were running the Angels, because obviously they're in a really tough spot without Otani, having traded all those prospects before the trade deadline. The Rangers got bad news on another starting pitcher. Future Hall of Famer Max Scherzer 
had surgery for a herniated disc last Thursday. He's going to be out until next June or July. He's set to make $43 million in 2024 in the final year of a three-year, $130 million contract he signed with the Mets before the 2022 season. Of course, a lot of that salary is being picked up by the New York Mets. The Kansas City Royals have been one of the surprisingly aggressive teams during the course of this uh, offseason. Outfielder Hunter Renfro signed with them. Michael Waka uh, got a two-year deal for $32 million. Look, the Royals are trying to convince their fan base to uh, approve funding for a new ballpark. And so I think part of this push, the money they spent this winter, is try to convince their fans that they are going to contend going forward in the American League Central. Jack Flaherty signed with the Detroit Tigers, a one-year, $14 million deal. This is kind of a cool thing. Major League Baseball announced that they're going to showcase top prospects in a new spring breakout event that'll take place March 14th to 17th. It'll pit uh, an organization's top 20 to 25 prospects against another team's top prospects in a seven-inning game that's part of a doubleheader with the regularly scheduled spring training game. The San Francisco Giants, who've had such a difficult time signing free agents in recent years, signed Jung-Ho Lee to a six-year, $113 million deal. This is someone, a uh, left-handed hitter, is considered to be a great athlete, a great ball-to-bat guy, a uh, high walk rate, as Farhan Zaidi, the uh, head of baseball operations for the Giants, told reporters last week, we think this is an absolutely perfect fit. Matt Carpenter was traded by the, the San Diego Padres. They're trying to shed as much payroll as possible. They put in left-hander Ray Kerr into this deal, a relief pitcher with a power arm, uh, and that uh, that made the Braves take on a lot of Carpenter's salary. We got news early this morning, just before we started taping the podcast, that the Braves have released Matt Carpenter. Dale, what else you got? Buster, I'm going to bring in my fellow producer, Adrian, here. She's. I'm catching her off guard. I can see, but I have to know. Hello, hello. She, she produced the low post last week. What did what was on? What did Zach Lowe talk about on the low post? Do you recall from your adventure oh, producing we, it? Oh my gosh, we talk so much about Draymond and his indefinite suspension. Uh, the Warriors. Did you not talk about it? My God, <laughs> jeez, what Basically is going the on there? <laughs> Well, the uh, Warriors played their first game without him. And uh, also Ramona Shelbourne, uh, she's a senior writer, had some reporting and talked with uh, him right before the indefinite suspension and kind of gave us some insight as to his mindset. And uh, basically that her perspective that he doesn't really have more of a, a macro view of kind of the repercussions of all of these incidents leading up to the suspensions. You I can, know that's a lot. That's a, that's a, there you go. There you go. That's a great sell. <laughs> you should listen to that podcast, the, the Low Post with Zach Lowe on this podcasting platform or on YouTube. And next time you get Ramona on, you have to have her talk about her days as a college teammate of Jessica Mendoza. Shut up. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. They played softball together at Stanford. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. 
That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Jumping into the numbers. This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight. And Hembo, of course, is Paul Embicate. He's the right-hand man for Mike Greenberg on the radio, on television. Hembo, how you doing? Buster, I'm doing very well. The uh, biggest shoe has dropped in baseball's free agency. This has provided me a nice uh, diversion to Dak Prescott, to the Buffalo Bills, to all things NFL. I always love talking baseball with you, the real ball, talking ball with you. And I have prepared a whole host of burning questions for you, and I'm putting you on the hot seat. All right, the biggest free agent contract has dropped, and you're not talking about Shohei Otani. You're not talking about Yamamoto. You're not talking about a Tyler Glasnow trade. You're not talking about Blake Snell or Aaron Nola. You're talking about Paul Hembikides, who has been locked up for the highest-paid uh, researcher contract in sports history, $701 million. Hembo, congratulations. Buster, I appreciate it very much. Um, first, I would like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then my family, and then also my agent, Taylor Schwenk. We've set this arrangement, though, in a very particular way because I want to make sure, uh, Buster, that I, I'm able to add as much value to ESPN as possible. So this $10 contract, um, which we're valuing at $701 million, wait, wait, wait. Just to I'm be deciding clear, to defer. Just one-time payment of $10, yes? Oh, yeah, that's right. One-time payment of, of $10. But we're just deferring is- that out for years and years, correct? Yes. And to be precise, the amount of interest, so I've I've run this in a calculator just to make sure that we get to the $701 million in my handy dandy interest calculator. Uh, This will take me 139 and some odd years to get to $701 million. Um, That being said, I'm not going to allow the facts get in the way of a good headline. This is a $701 million contract that Taylor Schwenk, my fantastic agent, has been able to negotiate for me and then spread the uh, good news. Some would call it reporting. Others might call it propaganda in terms of how much money this actually is. Because some people would say $10. Taylor, you might say $701 million. What say you, Taylor Schwenk? Yeah, I would say $701 million with a capital M. You know, ESPN, they just couldn't, they couldn't fall over themselves with laughter, maybe, but they, they were really eager to sign this contract. I don't get it, but uh, there's some provision, uh, you know, in terms of uh, a dog walker as well. Um, and then a, and, a, and a nanny to do Hembo's laundries. And it only costs $701 million. What a, what a steal. Yeah. And Taylor, you're the first uh, sidekick agent to negotiate a deal that starts with a number one as in 1 million, 10 as in 10 million, 50 as in 50 million, 700 as in $701 million. Taylor, what an amazing job you did in negotiating this. And by the way, the deferral was Hembo's idea. It gives us more flexibility in retaining other talent like Sarah Langs and Todd Radom and Tim Kirchin, Jessica Mendoza. You know, Hembo, thanks so much for deferring all that. It just makes us more competitive in this market. 
And not to bury the lead, because there's obviously been a lot of open question about my dog. dog is named Chase. Uh, my dog is named after Chase Utley. This should never have been in question. This is something that you always should have known. Chase Utley is my favorite filly of all time. My wife said we could never name our son Chase, so I elected to get a Cavapoo and name my dog Chase after Chase Utley. Very nice. Well, great job, Hembo. Glad to have you on board. And, uh, you know, your great, great, greats are all set forever and ever and ever because this <laughs> massive deal deferred that you have signed. All right. So you've got a list of topics that you want to get into today. So we're going to flip the, the roles here. You're going to be asking me questions going rapid fire. And I'm going to stay with that. I'm going to answer these quickly. I can't wait, Buster. I'm going to start right where you did. And that is with Shohei Otani. And my question for you is this, is that contract a precedent setter or a one-off because of his exceedingly unique situation? Uh, I think it is a precedent center. And then I think a lot of teams will go, Ooh. so that means we don't have to pay anybody with no interest for years to come. Yeah, we'll ask the agent about that as we go forward. And a lot of agents, I'm telling you right now, other than those who want to dress up the contract like Taylor does a little bit, uh, I think that uh, some of them are going to say no, because privately, some of them are telling me, what are you kidding? You're going to give all that money the Dodgers, you know, owned by Mark Walter, you know, leader of the Guggenheim group. You don't think they can do something more with that money as opposed to us having that money, my player having that money. So, yeah, I do think it's going to be a precedent setter in terms of what teams will ask for. Yeah, the Dodgers, notably uh, not a nonprofit company um, regarding Shohei Otani. Um, I mentioned last week when he signed that he could have a Pied Piper effect. Do you think he will bring others to the Dodgers with him because of the sheer force of his presence and his personality? And if so, whom? No, I don't think it'll have any effect whatsoever. I've always thought that the whole conversation about, well, this player is friends with this guy on this team is so overstated. As one agent said to me last week, it all comes down to the money. Mm. <laughs> Uh, that's an excellent answer, and I think it's somewhat counterintuitive to public sentiment. All right, uh, in that vein, which team right this second would you say is the leader in the clubhouse to sign Yamamoto? The Yankees. Uh, I, I think the Yankees are all in on Yamamoto. From what I hear, owner Hal Steinbrenner is fully activated uh, with the big X factor in this negotiation is whether or not Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, is going to go to crazy town. You know, last winter, the Padres were the team that went to crazy town, offering Trey Turner 50, as you know, more than $50 million more than what the Phillies gave him that he ultimately signed for. Uh, they offered uh, Aaron Judge over $400 million. The question is whether or not Steve Cohen is going to say, you know what, I want the 25-year-old unicorn free agent with, as you told us, fewer than 1,000 innings of uh, pitching professionally, a lot of tread left on that tire. So after Yamamoto, I think conventional wisdom would say that the next best pitchers on the free agent market are, in no particular order, uh, Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell. Um, which of those two pitchers, Buster, do you think will get the larger contract by total value? I think Blake Snell will because he's represented by Scott Boris, and so is Jordan Montgomery. But I think Blake Snell, with the, the two Cy Young Awards, it's more easily marketable. Uh, I know he's a little older. I, I believe that to be the case than Blake Snell. So, but I think he's going to wind up with a bigger contract just because the numbers in the back of his baseball card are a little bit better. So after those guys um, on the free agent. And I shouldn't have mentioned your name. I'm going to say this right now. 
the Red Sox are going to wind up with one of these guys. I think the Red Sox are the most desperate organization in baseball right now for pitching. And I don't know if it's going to be Montgomery. I don't know if it's going to be Snell. You know, who knows? Maybe it's somebody else. But I think that they are going to spend big on a pitcher. So those are the top flight free agent pitchers. I'm also hearing Corbin Burns stuff. I'm hearing Dylan C stuff. I'm hearing Shane Bieber stuff in the trade market. I want you to put a percentage, attach a percentage chance that those guys, each of those guys is traded before opening day, starting with Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns, I'd put it at 10%. This is what I'm getting back from teams. We're not sure if he's actually available. Dylan Cease, it's 100%. The White Sox clearly in rebuilding mode. Shane Bieber, I put it at 90%. I think Cleveland is inclined to move him, but as you know, because of all the injuries last year, his value might be down a little bit right now. And Cleveland has such a savvy front office. Who knows? Maybe they decide, let's wait until we get to July and uh, hope that he rebuilds his value. Okay, so enough of the pitching, at least for now. I think most people consider Cody Bellinger to be the top-rated top position player on the free agent market, or at least among them. The Yankees are presumably off the board after trading for Juan Soto and trading for Alex Verdugo. Who is the best match? Which team is the best match for Cody Bellinger in your eyes? The Toronto Blue Jays, who have a lot of money to spend. Uh, they've made their run at Otani, and when you look at the remaining market, there's just not a lot of options. It's part of the reason why the Yankees, you know, went in hard on Alex Verdugo and then Juan Soto because internally they're like, boy, you do not want to be in this game of musical chairs left standing without many options. And so Cody Bellinger coming off this really strong year with the Cubs in which they put the ball in play a lot more than he did in the past. He's in a commanding position. Now, I don't know if Cody, as you know, a lot of players don't like to go to Toronto I actually love Toronto. I think it's a great city, but a lot of players don't like to go there. I don't know how Cody feels about that. Uh, if, in fact, you know his feeling is he'd rather play someplace else, and I think San Francisco is the is the team maybe with the most available money. Okay, interesting. I want to ask you about a couple other West Coast teams, starting with the Padres. They strike me as a team that's going to go into some kind of money-shedding, modified rebuild. Who is the next member of that team to be dealt? Asan Kim, who, as you know, had a terrific year last year, and I kind of wonder if what they'll do is, uh, you know, and A.J. Preller, their general manager, is very smart in terms of structuring deals. I kind of wonder if he's going to say, look, you can take Kim, who's an elite defender, but you also got to take Jake Cronenworth. It's pretty clear that they need to shed as much money as possible. Uh, I can remember talking to somebody in the organization when they signed uh, Cronenworth, like, wow, like that, that felt like a bridge too far already right away. And then he went out and had a bad year. Uh, I, I do wonder if they're going to tell teams, yeah, you can get the upgraded shortstop or second base with Kim, but you got to take the other deal. Another West Coast team in some flux, at least in my judgment, is the Angels, who just saw Shohei Otani walk. If I made you GM of that team this offseason, how would you attack the rest of it? Well, let's be frank about it. Perry Manassian, their general manager, he's probably got a year, right? Uh, we know uh, Artie Moreno, the Angels uh, owner, his history of uh, you know letting guys go. He clearly has a penalty box. Sometimes he gets mad at the manager. Sometimes he gets mad at the general manager. Perry Manassian probably goes into 2024 in double-secret probation. So if I know that, and this is perhaps my last shot to win, I'm just adding good players. Every opportunity I can, I'm spending every last nickel. I'm not worrying anything about winning uh, in 2024. I'm not worried about, I mean, they gutted their farm system. You know, it's very interesting to hear the perspective 
of folks with other teams about the Angels where they feel like they there's just not a lot left there. So if I'm Perry Manassian, every nickel that I can spend, I'm spending it trying to win next year because that might be my one chance to prove to owner Artie Moreno that I should keep my job. I want to pin you down on, on a comment you made a little bit earlier about the Red Sox. My question here is, uh, who is the biggest fish that they are likeliest to catch? Now, you said earlier that Jordan Montgomery and or Blake Snell are definitely in the running there. Is that your answer? Are either of those guys that answer to your question? I feel like Jordan Montgomery's a better fit. Uh, but I okay. can't tell you that they have necessarily ruled out, ruled out Blake Snell. I just think of Craig Breslow being a pitching guy. Uh, all of the the peaks and the valleys that Blake Snell brings, I kind of wonder how that's being processed in the Red Sox organization. I look at, I mean, if you if you looked at it like a you know like trying to pick a club out of a golf bag, right, mm. and see if you can help me out with this. You probably know more about this than I do. To me, like Jordan Montgomery is the safe shot. You give him a good deal. Uh, yeah, he's going to be reliable. He's going to be the plow horse. Blake Snell potentially has higher peaks. Now, I would be scared personally if I'm running an organization. I got the years left on Chris Sale and I have Blake Snell. That would concern me. But on the other hand, Blake Snell's one in the American League East. When he's at his best, he can shut down any lineup. So I feel like Jordan Montgomery might make more sense. By the way, Tampa won 21 more games than Boston did last year, and they just dealt Tyler Glasnow to the Dodgers, which we'll get into in one second. My question for you is, does Tampa need to operate as if their superstar shortstop, Wander Franco, is not in their plans, either in the short or long term? What is the latest on that? I don't have. I don't think they have any other choice because I don't think they know exactly how this is going to turn out. Uh, you, know, you know, I don't know. And I was going to make a call this morning when I saw your list of questions to Major League Baseball to see if they've interviewed Wander Franco. That has to happen uh, before he returns to the field. Major League Baseball will not let him back on the field if he winds up, uh, let's say, his, uh, his legal situation is resolved. They're not just going to look the other way. He's probably facing a major suspension at some point because of what happened. And if that's the case, if you're sitting in the Rays' shoes, then I think you have to explore all your options. Like You have to uh, assume that he might not be around, and then there's the question. And I don't know the details exactly of, of what went on with him, but then you have to ask the question, you know, is it this an asset that we might want to trade because it's uh, his contract's worth, uh, you know, close to $200 million? Or will the the Rays explore the possibility of trying to get out of the contract? I don't know the answers to that. Okay, so they just traded Tyler Glasnow, presumably or primarily for payroll purposes, a pitcher who's never topped 120 innings in a big league season, a pitcher with a 5.72 ERA in his career in the postseason. But the Dodgers are the team that traded for him. Tell me why he is a pitcher that it's worth betting on the way that the Dodgers are? Because of his athleticism. I mean, he is a crazy great athlete. And I think, yeah, he's had a lot of injuries in his history, but it's not like he's just had this uh, series of recurring shoulder injuries, right? Ryan Flaherty would scare me more because he's had, uh, or not Ryan Flaherty, uh, Jack Flaherty would scare Jack. me more mm. because of his, you know, it's, he's had shoulder issues. That would bother me. With Tyler Glass now, he's had Tommy John surgery. He's had some other issues. Uh, when he's at his absolute best, I think this guy is a beast. You know, he reminds me of a lot in terms of his personality is Charlie Morton, who, as you mm. know, had great stuff. He, you know, his talent was always respected. And then the middle of his career, he put it all together when he went to the Astros. And he was he's been an excellent pitcher since then. I think Tyler Glasnow is a lot like that. 
Interesting. I'm taking you to the uh, to the National League East now with a couple huge names. Um, I think that are guys that are entering very interesting seasons and circumstances. I'm going to start with Pete Alonso. As it stands right now, what is your outlook on his future as a member of the New York Mets? If David Stearns makes the decision, he will be gone. I think if Steve Cohen makes the decision, he will be re-signed. You know, I was talking with an agent who told me, he said, look, if you're sitting in Pete Alonso's uh, position, then that's your best point of leverage might be trying to convince the Mets about his popularity with the, the fans and trying to appeal to that with Steve Cohen, knowing that this guy is the man. Like he is the, you know, homegrown Met. He's had great success with the team. This winter, you know, he's been around. It feels like he's been at every event, uh, you know, trying to prove maybe perhaps that he's a, a real New Yorker and they absolutely love him. But as you know, first basemen just aren't paid that way. And if David Stearns follows the analytics, if he's given that sort of flexibility, then I think Pete Alonso is going to be gone. Yeah, Milwaukee never played, never paid any first baseman no. any money at all for whatever it is nope. worth. Um, more selfishly, I want to ask you about my ace, the Phillies ace, Zach Wheeler. They allowed Aranola to walk, but they re-signed into a seven-year contract. Uh, Zach Wheeler also entering a contract year. Will he be re-signed before the season begins? What do you think? My guess is yes. Uh, I think they will entertain this. Uh, I think Zach is going to be in a position where, you know, he could theoretically go into free agency and make an absolute killing. But my sense of Zach's personality, and this is obviously all speculation, is he just likes stuff resolved. You know, he doesn't like change necessarily. Uh, I bet you as a Georgia guy, he would love the idea of playing for the Atlanta Braves. But the Atlanta Braves never pay sticker price for free agents. Never. And so Zach Wheeler's in a position to command huge dollars next year. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, we know that uh, John Middleton, who runs the Phillies, has a big heart in terms of keeping his own players. I think he's going to do that again. And oh, by the way, all that talk about, you know, the Phillies being having to outbid the Braves significantly to keep Aaron Nola, not true. Uh, what's been reported about the Braves' offer, from what I understand, not true. The, Bra the Phillies, uh, spent a lot, what, $177 million on Aaron Nola. And I know that the Braves had interest, but they weren't going to get close to that number. I got two more questions for you, Buster, before I'm done with this cross-examination. One about this year, uh, one about next. The 2024 World Series, Buster, as the roster stand right this second, give me the team in each league that will be there. I've got the Atlanta Braves, which I feel like is a safe pick in the National League because of the depth of their lineup. And Taylor's going to like this, but I got the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I think that uh, that they're going to come through all with uh, you know, Jackson Holiday established in the big leagues. Gunnar Henderson now, you know, going into his second full season. Adley Rutschman, a ton of talent, and who knows, Taylor? Maybe if they agree to a, uh, the sale of the team with another owner. Even if that's not approved, that owner can give the wink, wink, nod, nod to the front office to go out and be aggressive at the trade deadline and get the sort of pitching that they're going to need. What say you? Buster, don't tease me like that, man. It's it's December, baby. Come on. I'm getting toasty over here. I like it. Nice. <laughs> Loving it. Buster, my last question for you is this. This is for all you Yankees fans out there in my mentions. I'm, uh, Buster, right now offering you a prop bet. Juan Soto. Opening day 2025. Is he on the Yankees or are you taking the field? I'm taking the field. I don't think he'll be with the Yankees for more than one year. 
uh, I think one of the questions that's going to come up uh, during the course of 2024 is that of Soto's defense. As you know, the defensive metrics are really bad. And some of the team evaluators I've spoken with who have the utmost respect for this player, you know, they talk about him as a, you know, the, a very credible heir apparent to Ted Williams and all that he accomplished during his career. They wonder if in his 30s, he's going to be viewed as a DH. And just as we talked about with Pete Alonso, you know, as great an offensive player as he is, teams, generally speaking, will stay tethered to the market on that. If Juan Soto has another subpar year defensively, I think there'll be a lot of teams, including the Yankees, that'll go, I don't know, $40 million a year for a guy who could be a DH, a full-time DH in three years. I think that'll scare them. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I enjoyed the cross-examination. Taylor, I will now yield my time to my esteemed colleague from the great state of Connecticut. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick of Hembo. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. That's VividSeats.com today, code BASEBALL. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Petey Gregorius played, has played 11 years in the big leagues, most notably with the Yankees and the Phillies, 134 career homers, twice named on MVP ballots. Didi, how you doing? Where are we talking to you from? Uh, I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? I'm in Curacao right now, actually on the golf course. Very nice. Uh, and that is where you're doing this really cool thing. Uh, and I got these notes uh, from your representative, Troy. He said he opened his own baseball field complex called DD Deeds Fields in Curacao for all of the youth players on the island. In true DD fashion, he's gone out and found companies to make gloves, shoes, batting gloves, championship rings for the kids, offering opportunities for all the kids on the island to play there. And he plans to open an indoor facility at the field as well. How did you come up with this idea? What was the thought process? So, uh, me and my buddy, we've been talking about it for a long time. And, uh, you know, uh, so his idea was like at least five years ago we started. And then once we started and um, we started talking about it, and then we decided that we we're going to go like full goal with it. And uh, we said, we're just going to do this like right away. And, you no, know, took our time make sure things are going right the right way and then decide to execute and then we got the field done so next year we're going to build the facility and more stuff around it 
So tell me about sort of when you became aware of this. I'm guessing as a kid about the need for something like this. Exactly. You know, so I always tell the guys like, um, you know, when we play ball, we sit ground ball, we get hit in the face and all that stuff. But, you know, it makes us better. But at the same time, too, like you want guys also to feel comfortable taking grounders and get to know the footwork and all that stuff to, to try to get better. So I decided to come with a field in a neighborhood I grew up in. And there's a lot of kids that always wanted to play baseball. So, you know, we built a team. We got like four leagues going on right now from kids from four to 13. So, I mean, from T-ball and guys are enjoying it. They're having fun. Edie, give me something from your own experience where you think back on, you know, whether it was equipment or fields you played on where you think like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> when, look, when I'm looking at the field side, I can't believe that we actually played on this field. You know, that's what I always tell the guys. And now it's like, you know, we, we always take We don't take it for granted, but we always appreciate where we come from. So I think that's just also a big step. So give me an example of something that you've seen since you've started this where – uh, whether it, a kid gets a glove for the first time or gets shoes or just uh, the first time you saw him run out on the field, what's that like for you? I mean, I appreciate it, but it's for me, I honestly look at it as more as a kid if, if he's happy. That's that's how I look at it. I, I enjoy them being on the field doing something great for themselves and for the future for themselves too. You know, you never know that he can sign and come to the stage with the yard and start starting. I always look at it that way, and uh, and I'll, I enjoy it for me because I think that's the best way to go about it. So if folks want to help out with this or see your progress, uh, what would you recommend that they do? We have a website, DDDsFoundation.com. You can reach out that way, or they can get on Instagram or on Facebook, DDDs Foundation. Yeah, we can do that, and um, they can also give a call. Like, that's what we're doing here, people locally. So they give us a call, and then whatever they want to donate or help out, that's how we got most of the coaches. So, And, um, I mean, we're open to anything. People want to donate gloves or whatever they have. Uh, we're not going out and ask people that they have to give us this whatever they're open to give us all right so what's next for you as a player for in 2024 so what i'm waiting on right now is uh you know get a phone call from a team i think that's that's the, that's the thing that i'm waiting for either minor league or whatever major league invite or just whatever to play but if i don't get it i mean I'm probably gonna go to mexico or something and then go play over there back again like i did uh this year is there any particular situation you're looking for uh, anything. I mean, I'm open to anything. All right. Uh, as you know, just so many great shortstop in baseball now. Give me a name of a shortstop that you love to watch, and, and what it is it about what he does that really catches your eye? Right now, uh, I'll say Corey Seager, Trey Turner, because uh, I like Trey Turner. I always like Trey Turner because he's been good, but he doesn't get much recognition. And I was telling the guys about him, like, man, this guy deserves way more than what they're talking about right now. So... I think he's one of the guys that it's going a little bit under the radar, but I'll say him and uh, Corey Seager is always there. So, what did you see in Corey Seager during the postseason? I mean, for me, it's the approach. I mean, just uh, keeping things simple and then exploding every ball that's close to hit. So, I think that's the best way to go about it. That's what I've seen from him, and he's always been consistent. So, you know, he was a little bit hurt. He missed a little bit of time, but I think when he came back, it's like nothing happened. So I was watching an Anthony Volpe in his first year as the Yankee shortstop last year. And actually, it took me back to watching you in your first year after you took over for Derek Jeter. And that yeah. I, I didn't, you know, felt like I wasn't really paying so much attention to production as the level of confidence. Uh, it seemed like all year 
no matter what was going on with him, he always looked confident playing. That's the way you were in your first year in New York. Tell me what you saw in him. So I, I, I reached out to him. I saw him before spring training. It was actually at the airport, so it was only for like a minute or two. And I told him, hey, just keep doing your thing. You're going to be up there before you know it. And then, of course, right after spring training, he makes a team. So uh, I think this year, I mean, next year, it's gonna be he's going to be like really good because, I mean, he settled down. He knows what he's capable of. So I think this is going to be his next step for him. So I think everything is going to go smoothly. He already won the gold glove. So now everything is going to fall the way he wants to go forward. Edie, how hard is that to be a young shortstop in New York? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit different for me when I was there because, uh, I mean, he's not getting booed the way I, get, I got booed my, my first year there by 40,000 people no matter what I did. So, But that made me better. That's how I look at it. So when they boo me, it's like they want you to do good. That's why you're here. So that's how I took it. I think that was a thing that improved my game. And then able to make adjustments like right away, not on the next at bat, on the same pitch. And, you know, try to enjoy the game because the fans always want you to do good. They always cheer for you. So when they boo, because they want you to do good. So for me, it's just when I was there, it was just focusing what I can control and move forward from there. What was the hardest moment you remember playing with the Yankees? The hardest moment? I don't think it was hard. It was just me being in control of what I can control. And then just stay even keel on every situation. If I do good and bad, admit. If you did something wrong, just admit it. Hey, I messed up. You know, like accountability. I think that's that's the best part. I think that's what the fans want, you know. Hey, he made a mistake. He knows he made a mistake. He doesn't want to do it. So I think that, that's the best part. If you just, like, make the uh, adjustment and accountability and always be there by your locker. Well, and you know this far better than I do. Uh, players who come in from outside the organization, who come in in New York, especially superstars, are held to a higher standard by the fans than the homegrown guys. Uh, yeah. So along those lines, uh, if Juan Soto were to call you, and maybe he already has, and say, hey, uh, I'm going to New York. Uh, you know, I, I got one year before I become a free agent. What advice would you give me about playing with the Yankees? Like I said, accountability. Always stay by your locker if you if something happens. And one thing is, don't worry about the right field porch. If you get up front, you're gonna you're gonna get something. But besides that, just hit the ball the way you hit the ball. So just keep doing you. All right, Didi. Thanks for doing this, and uh, congratulations on your project. And I'm sure it's gonna be great going forward. All right, thank you guys. Thank you, thank you. Bleacher tweets. Already, Buster Bleacher tweets for a Monday. Billy Flanagan. Right, so now that my brain, my Rangers have finally won a World Series in my lifetime, no less, I don't know how to feel about next season. Am I supposed to expect a repeat performance, be happy with last year, or just roll with whatever they do? I'm inexperienced in this area. Yeah, be happy with what they did last year. I remember when the Red Sox won the World Series in 2004. You know, me having grown up in New England, so many of my friends, and this is after I'd covered the Yankees for four years from New York Times, so many of my friends are Red Sox fans. I'm like, just don't become like Yankee fans where you're just angry if your team doesn't win the World Series. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Red Sox and Yankee fans yes. are just angry if they don't win the World Series. It should be more fun than that, Taylor. I agree. Buster, we are in lockstep on this take. They are mirrors of each other, okay? they The, the Red Sox fans, your, your scrappy underdog stuff, they don't know this, but it doesn't apply to them anymore. Uh, no. I have a hard time with our championships in 17 seasons for the Red Sox. <laughs> Great success. 
but boy, are they angry. Yeah, yeah. I would say if, as a, if for Billy, like I would say five, four to five years until you're really allowed to complain about the, what the Rangers are doing on the field. Okay. That would be my window. Yeah, I'll buy that. Okay. Uh, doors of the kitchen, that kitchen door writes in, is the amount of money getting deferred on Shohei's contract bad for baseball? Seems ridiculous to me that they can pay the best player in baseball only $2 million per year. Um, is it bad for baseball? I don't know. It depends on on how you look at it. You know, from 30,000 feet, I think it's good that Otani wound up in a big market team where we could see him in October. That'll be a lot of fun. Like, I think that's really cool. Uh, if you're asking the question about the deferred money, I think, I think small market teams can, can ask that question. You know, they probably would love to defer salary. When I covered the Orioles, Peter Angelos loved to defer salary, but the player has to go along with it. I, I don't know. And as we talked about, I mean, it feels like the Otani thing was all to dress up the contract, you know, to make it look bigger than it actually is, which I don't understand. Why can't you just be happy with having the biggest contract in the history of baseball? Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think when it's you get to this- It's a lot of money. It's a great contract. <laughs> I don't know why, why you got to put all this artificial sweetener into it. We, we've talked about it before, but when you get into that, those high numbers, like- it doesn't really change your life. I don't know. I couldn't say. Andrew Campbell at Real Camp Drew writes in Buster, who is more upset? The league office at Otani and the Dodgers for cleverly maneuvering around competitive balance rules. The other 29 clubs in baseball who could have offered this deal or the state of California for likely missing out on $680 million. Adrian, I'm going to ask you, because being living in California, you can answer this question uh, after I get done my answer. First off, I can tell you this. Like, when this deal came out, people that the teams ha- were gathering their pitchforks. Like, they were like, what did the Dodgers do? They're trying to avoid the CBT tax. And then when they looked at the fine print, uh, first off, in the collective bargaining agreement, what the Dodgers did is perfectly legal. And, and, and the same people are telling me, like, yeah, that was fine. Like they did it right. And on top of that, they have the biggest hit with Otani for his contract under the CBT tax, $46.1 million per year than any player in the history of baseball. So the Dodgers are paying a huge. That's another part of this fiction about his contract, which has just gone on and on and on, which leads me to say state of California probably will be more upset uh, because, uh, you know, there this seems to be a, a way for Otani potentially getting out of paying state taxes in California. Adrian, what do you think? I definitely am siding with you as a Californian. I have lived here for 30 plus years and there is a lot that we could do with that money. I mean, considering we have the World Cup and the Olympics coming in and we are desperately trying to redo our roads to be able to get people around, it would be great to have that kind of money. There you go. Wow, you already appropriated those dollars, Adrian. Way to go. Oh, State yeah. State legislator, Adrian. <laughs> I, I and many other people are always in traffic. It would be nice to have public transportation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to David Crawley. He writes, and he's got two questions. When a Major League Baseball player gets traded or picked up by another team, if the player uses a translator, does the translator also get traded or does it depend on the player or team? Yeah, I think it depends. Uh, most of the time, though, that if, if uh, you know, if the player has a translator they really like, then the team just says, yeah, go ahead. Like, I, I don't know this officially, but I'm assuming that, uh, you know, Otani is bringing his translator, who's a really well-liked guy. Uh, you know, the other players like him. You'd see him out on the field. And I'm sure that he probably is all, uh, you know, going there. 
Um, I have heard a couple of instances in my 30 years of covering baseball about translators who are viewed as being clubhouse cancer people who like chatter, 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 and teams would make change on um, on the uh, on the translator. I can also just say from my time producing the show that a lot of times the translators are like media relations people who like are just they you know it's part of their job. They're bilingual and they they translate and they do other stuff too. That's changed though. I would say Major League oh, yeah. Baseball has put more effort into helping the players get their own translator. Oh, interesting. Good discussion. Uh, good question here from David as well. Also, with the Otani signing, does Kershaw come back for one final year before retiring? I think he does. Um, you know, I talked to someone who knows him last week. Um, you know, Kershaw did an interview on radio out in Los Angeles, and he made it sound like everything's progressing really well. And if you're, you know, he talked about like ex being excited about the possibility of watching Otani. It's not a guarantee, but I think that would make sense. Here's the other thing, too. At some point, the Rangers, who, you know, they're world champions and Chris Young did a great job. But at some point, there's going to be uh, maybe they become a little bit leery about investing in older pitchers who have injury histories. Take it to DeGrom starts the year on the IL. Uh, you know, Max Scherzer is going to as well. It's not necessarily proven for them to be a, a great investment to spend big on, on uh, future Hall of Famers. Uh, let's go to Aaron Bensua writes in, can Major League Baseball replicate the success of the NBA's in-season tournament? Uh, he's got a whole plan uh, for this. What do you what do you think about that sort of idea for Major League Baseball? I couldn't see it happening. Yeah, I kind of like I, I think the uh, I mean, in some respects, we've been having this conversation about the World Baseball Classic, right? Trying mm -hmm. to find the sweet spot where that could uh, play in. I don't know if they it, it, boy. It doesn't feel like because of the the multiple games, you just can't drop in like one game in a tournament. And I don't think you do best of three. It's too much of a schedule. Uh, to me, the, the World Baseball Classic, if you could shoehorn in one event in the middle of the year, let's say it's the All-Star break where you play the semifinals and finals at the All-Star break, like Monday, Home Run Derby, Tuesday, do the semifinals, WBC, Wednesday, do the All-Star game, Thursday, do the uh, the championship game, uh, of the World Baseball Classic and then give the players off the rest of the weekend. I think that would be a great solution, but that's not the in-season tournaments uh, sort of format that we've seen with the NBA. Last one for today, Blade Bigler writes in with Shohei's move to the Dodgers. Will we see and hear more from him media-wise? Um, Buster, I'm predicting we're going to see like sassy Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts uh, come out and defend their guy over something silly media-related. What do you What do you think about all this? No. I don't think I don't think it's going to be an issue, at least at the beginning of the contract. First off, um, how often did you hear the media complain out loud from in Southern California about Otani not being available? It's a great like, point. Never. never. <laughs> Otani was a great player, and so everyone sort of went along with it. He continues to be a great player. I think Mookie and Freddie will give him coverage. Uh, I guarantee you that he was assured that, hey, we're not going to ask you to do too much when you come here. Um the time when it might become an issue is when he starts to decline as a player, which inevitably happens to everybody. But if he gets to like age 36, 37, he starts to have injuries and he doesn't address it. I think that's when you'll start to hear grumbling from teammates. Like, wait a second. In fact, I know this for a fact. There was starting to be some grumbling from Angels players uh, when he went down with the elbow injury. Like, wait a second. He doesn't have to deal with the media. Why, why, why do I have to deal with the media if he doesn't? 
<laughs> but I think it's going to take a little while because, you know, he's the biggest star in the sport. He's the biggest star in the world. Anthony Rendon probably would have liked a little bit of the uh, the media ire retrained on Shohei toward the end of last season. I could see that as a possibility. Right. All right. Thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Possible Yamamoto emergency podcast this week if that happens. If not next week, we'll uh, we'll see. But definitely, you know, a, a pod or two between now and the new year. Okay. All right, that's it for today. My thanks to Didi Gregorius, Hembo, Adrian, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.